Yang Nisi. This episode marks the 16th episode of this podcast, which started about a year ago today, May 6, 2018. Since then, we've covered a variety of topics from talking to women who work for WB in the 80s, women who work for First Avenue as Prince was coming up. In our last episode, we talked to someone who worked for Ebony and Jet Magazine and heard some of her experiences in promoting Prince. We've also talked about some sociological connects to Prince, speaking to day one black women fams who grew up watching Prince Evolved. We explored hero worship and fanaticism in the purple fandom, the complicated feelings we have about Prince's relationships with young women, and we've unpacked race and the legacy of Prince and how it might have influenced how he moved as an artist. I thought it was really important to cover those topics as well as his music in the 90s or uh, music that fell after the 2000s because we wanted to reach a little bit deeper and things that challenge ourselves and our audience to think about what motivates us as it relates to why we love Prince and um, to kind of look into that mirror he holds up for us to consider what lies behind our own biases. Today, to acknowledge three years since Prince has transitioned, as well as one year later in the trajectory of Muse to the Pharaoh, I wanted to get our original panel from our first episode together and check in with where we're at in processing the loss of Prince. So, joining us today, we have Fisayo. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Fisayo? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Ah, okay. Trying to get over this cold that Erica gave me, but it's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I love you, Erica. Um, oh, and we also have Erica. <laughs> Hi, I too am getting over a cold, so I sound very good. It's okay. It's like the Husky nasal <laughs> podcast. We have Stephanie. Hi, guys. And Crystal. Hello, hello. So we are actually all just getting back from celebration this past week, and we had a first-timer among us. So for Fisayo, what were your expectations of celebration and did they live up to the experience you had? Or did they live up to your expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I, I didn't really know what to expect um, before going. I think I was just trying to keep my mind open um, and not have too many like high, high expectations. Um, I was mostly excited to meet um, all you guys and to hear, you know, great live music and enjoy the interview and things. Um, but I had heard stories. I think y'all would talk about the energy of the place um, and how people could feel in there. And I don't know if I expected that, but I was excited and kind of curious to see if I would feel the same way. Um, and then being there, uh, in truth, I was kind of relieved by how like grounded, I guess I felt by being there. Um, cause I like to feel in control at all times. Um, but the first day there, I honestly wasn't the most comfortable. Um, you guys might've picked up on that, but I, I was kind of quiet, but on that, on one level, that's just how I am. Like it'll take me three weeks to process very, very simple emotions. Um, so I had a little bit of that new kid syndrome and that's just like classic me. Um, I was overwhelmed by this feeling that I didn't quite belong there. Um, but I guess I could just choose to reframe that by as like ha having never dreamt that I actually would have ever been there. Uh, but by the end, I was really enjoying the energy there and the music. Um, and I was surprised by how um, cozy the place was. Um, like Paisley Park is a it's a big place for someone's home. But I think I was expecting to be taken by the size of it. Um, and it's a lot cozier than that. Um, I don't know if that's just because the space that's there is all filled by something. Um, but it's an intimate place. And so I really liked that. 
So you said a little bit that you felt like you didn't belong there. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, yeah, I guess I was very, uh, I was very aware of the fact that I was in someone's home. Um, and, and I never really ever thought I would be in Prince's home. And so in that sense, I felt like, oh, I've, you know, I'm not really supposed to be here. If you were alive, I probably would have never been here. And so that's kind of where I was coming from with that. Um, and then a little bit of it was I'm not as quiet as um, like engaged in the Prince community. And so um, I was seeing a whole lot of new faces, um, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, so I had a little bit of that, like I said, like new kid uh, syndrome. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So for those of you, when it's been your, your second or third time there, what, what was your impression of it this time versus the other times you've been to Celebration? So I guess I can go. Um, so for me, last year, I was definitely in a, things were still a lot more fresh. And, and considering it was my first time being um, at Paisley Park, I did have expectations of um, feeling him there and feeling like the experience is being very intimate and I remember after you know after the couple the first couple of days there feeling underwhelmed um contrast to this year though I kind of you know after you hear people talk about um celebration and just being in Paisley Park period throughout the year you know you kind of you know build your own perception um of what the experience is going to be like and so for me I didn't have expectations of it being um, much different than last year and I also but but what was different for me was just where I was uh, um, in the grieving process of losing Prince and for me I feel like I'm in a much better much better place than I was last year and so that made the experience a little bit more enjoyable and for me I kind of just accepted it for what it was and just tried to make the, the experience you know my own and not expect too much from, I guess, the, the staff, just because we, you know, you kind of knew it wasn't going to be too much different than last year. So I kind of brought him with me and just, you know, accepted things for the way they were and just had a good time with all of you guys and what I knew was going to, what the experience was going to be. So I think that's the difference for me. Okay. How about you, Stephanie? Um, yeah, I can, um, I can kind of agree with Crystal just as far as understanding that it probably wasn't going to be much different from what I've experienced before, um, certainly from last year to, to this year. Um, 2017 was our first time, so that was a very um, emotionally intense uh, time uh, at Paisley for, for the for the both of us, I'm sure, but definitely for me, um, that was, you know, year one. And, um, I just had like this really huge moment of fully letting out <laughs> all that grief that I didn't even realize I was still storing up, um, at, at that point. Um, but yeah, from, from last year to this year, I largely expected, um, the, the same experience, but, um, to Crystal's point, I was just looking forward to 
um, spending time with you guys again, because this is literally the one time a year that we see each other, um, and uh, getting to meet Fasayo for the first time, which was really, really awesome. Um, I know. I was so excited. Um, I think for me, because this is what the fourth time that I've been there now, I can say that I felt much more at home um, than I have before. It just, so each time um, going to Paisley Park, so the first time I was like, kind of in Fasayo's boat, um, I don't belong here. Like I wouldn't, wouldn't have been here if he was still alive, most likely. Um, and so just kind of the, the awe and all of that was there. And then of course the, the sadness too. Um, same thing for 2017. I didn't think that I would be back and so quickly at that. I think it was like a six month turnaround. Um, and then um, last year was largely me trying to um, make it a more positive experience because I didn't want to be sad. I didn't want to have all of those, um, you know, emotions <laughs> again pouring out. Um, so yeah, this year it just felt like, oh, I'm here again. And not only am I here again, I'm going to probably be here again um, a lot sooner than the next celebration. Like I just, it felt like, I think the experience or the feeling that he would want us to have is just, this is our home too. I'm starting to, to feel that. So I'm not so much in awe of it, not to say that it's not an amazing place to be or anything like that, or I'm just disenchanted. I love being there, but I also feel a lot more, yeah, this is my home too, in some sort of way. Um, and that was really, really nice. And, you know, I did have moments throughout celebration, just their random times of the, um, the wave of sadness and, and, you know, the, the missing him, the longing for him and wishing he was still here. Um, and the regret that all of that comes with. Um, but I think that, um, just the sense of, yeah, I'm, I'm at home here now, um, was really, really nice for me. Okay. Um, Erica. Um, similar to Crystal and Steph, I was kind of, I knew what to expect. So I was more excited to go and have those experiences with all of you and all of my friends and meet Fasayo and, and kind of do that as a group together um, than for my own personal kind of interest, I guess. It was, it, I, I was happier to be with you. For, for me, it felt um, just however it worked this year, maybe it was because I was a bit under the weather the whole time, it felt... I didn't feel like I felt last time. I felt inspired in other ways, but I didn't feel like it felt a little Paisley Park itself felt a little colder and impersonal to me. But being there with you guys was what really made it the experience. And it it was after all we've watched together and, you know, spent all this time learning together and going through his music and discovering stuff it was cool to do that in real time and you know sit next to stephanie during the during the indigo night show and and still you know have little moments of <laughs> of getting swept away you know <laughs> like in the magic of it because it's it's kind of like three years out you feel like you've seen everything there is to, I, I feel not you 
I feel like sometimes a little like disenchanted, like, well, I've kind of seen it all or I, I don't feel that way anymore. But then you're like, oh, but there's a little glimpse of it again. And that's always fun to have. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I've been trying to figure out, I haven't fully processed celebration this year because I go out uh, to Paisley Park. I don't know. I, I've lost count how many times now because I, I usually go a couple times a year outside of Celebration as well. And the last couple of times I've been to Minneapolis, um, one of the times I didn't even go to Paisley Park. I just kind of hung out in the city, which gave a different kind of feeling or it was almost more intimate to do that because you kind of understand the context of Prince when you hang out in the places that he hung out in and it just it makes him make more sense as a whole that he would have been from a place like that and how it informed the way he operated. But um, this year at Celebration, I kind of agree with Erica, it did seem a little more impersonal to me, but I posted on Facebook, like, um, for me, Prince is so personal. Um, it's it's like I, I like have it. It's like he's mine <laughs> a little bit. Like everybody has that a little bit. But also when he when you're – enjoying him with other people it it's a cool shared experience to do that because they also understand but everyone also everyone also still has their personal relationship with Prince so when I got home I've just like felt like I'm even though we spent four days in his house I felt more close to him at home in my own home with um my own Prince things around me and just our kind of big conversations that we have like I felt like I needed to spend a day doing that to get close to him again which is very strange but um, this year, I can't remember if I cried or anything last year, but this year there's moments during the big screen. Sorry, Crystal, and thank you, Crystal. Like, I kind of just, like, bawled. Because I think um, a door came on, and I was thinking about, like, the lyrics of a door were playing, and it was just like... <sighs> from our first episode the things one of the things I learned most about myself after he passed was being present with my emotions and we'll get to some of this later but I'm, I'm a lot better about that now where before I just kind of deny it now I'm just like yes I'm gonna feel all of it so I just kind of let it all through during the big screen I spent most of it crying um besides one very strong breakdown part but it it's really interesting how people um process all of this and some people are not able to feel like they're not ready to go to Paisley Park yet. And some people are like, oh, yeah, it's cool now. I'm over it and I can just enjoy it now. But um, I think it's really interesting how all of us had different experiences there. And we kind of, though we had some similarities, we also, you know, had our own unique kind of ways of um, processing being there at the time. But um, speaking of celebration, while we're still on the topic a little bit, uh, since this is the third one for me and stuff, um, I kind of felt like my favorite one was the first one. Just, of course, there's, you know, the emotion of it all, but especially of the kind of panels and the concerts and the 
things that they had going on there because we had um, George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic for the first night for the concert and we had the revolution and we had in Fiji and for the screenings there was one from each decade so we had like a Purple Rain 1985 show we had a new tour show and then we had like a Third Eye Girl show as well so it was like you're covering his whole kind of career Whereas this year, it seems a little more focused on the later year. So what do you guys think about future celebrations and what they should do? And what would you like to see? So, you know, my one of the biggest selling points for celebration um, was seeing the unseen footage, you know, getting things that we hadn't before, minus the time video. I'm sorry. I didn't care for that. But... Um, <laughs> um, and I, I feel like we won't really get too much um, variation until a lot of the issues with his estate is settled. And so I really don't know what else I expect from them. Um, again, I just feel like it'll be better once a lot of issues are worked out. Um, I hope they can find a way to attract new people to celebration because I also felt like um, there were a lot of the same faces. So for example, when me and Fisayo were on the second part of our tour, um, our guide asked whose first time was it and Fisayo was the only person who raised her hand. So, yeah. you know, that's very indicative of the fact that, you know, you have the same diehard Prince fans coming every year. So how, you know, how can they open it up and make it where you have newer people, you know, Prince fans, but newer Prince fans coming um, and, and, ex and experiencing, you know, what they have to offer? Um, it, it'll be very hard to um, show big screen with the same 2011 show to fans who uh -huh. know everything pretty much or think they know everything. Um, so how... How do you appeal, you know, to um, the other Prince uh, side, I guess, fandom? Um, so I really don't know what else they can do until a lot of the issues are um, figured out with the estate. Um, but again, a big selling point for me was seeing, was sitting down and watching those screenings. Um, I very much enjoyed last year's screenings than this year's because it was very nice to see the piano and microphone shows. Um, and I hope they at some point release those in full I think that is just something that we <laughs> deserve and it sounds weird saying that but I feel like that's definitely something that we should have um but yeah I, I really I, I I've thought about it since coming back I really don't know what else different they can do um again until they have access to more um so yeah yeah I I agree with Crystal um and I, it wasn't something I thought about until she just said it. it. There probably will be a limited scope of things that they're able to do until a lot of this stuff is settled. So um, that that makes perfect sense. But um, for me, um, one thing that I would like to see happen is just some more coordination with all of the kind of outside events. If they can um, get together with all of the different folks. Um, in the purple world, if you will, um, 
to coordinate on, you know, the different dance parties, the different performances from folks uh, who collaborated with Prince and things like that throughout the years. I think that would be nice because there's so much going on um, that it makes it difficult to choose what to do and when to do it because of the, you know, the hours and the two separate tracks. So if they can find some coordination with that, I think that would be um, really cool. And then um, I think I've been saying this since like the first celebration, we should have a Paisley Park after dark type situation for celebration. I think that would be so much fun um, to be able to experience um because i always have fomo whenever i see paisley park send out something about a paisley park after dark you know throughout the year i'm just like i want to go so having that during celebration time um i think would be a really cool experience um kanisa to your point earlier um i 100 percent agree about the um variety of shows that we got to see in the first year we got something from you know uh every decade like you said and i think that it would be wonderful to have that to kind of appeal to the spectrum of fans we have some hardcore 80s fans we have some hardcore 90s fans 2000s whatever whatever so to be able to um get screenings each day um that um you know, run the gamut of that, I think would be um, fun again, because it was just a nice time to see him, you know, throughout the years. Evolve. And I, mean, yeah. I want to see, I'm still mad when they used to do the screenings back in the day at Paisley Park. There was a Jam of the Year show that they did once. <laughs> <laughs> I want oh, to God. see that. Big screen. Like, <laughs> I can do without it. No, because the reason why is because, like, I really appreciate at the time, the thing that I liked about first year, because I, I noticed they were um, they were censoring the songs in the soundstage, and that mm-hmm. annoyed me. I understand yeah. that, you know, he didn't curse, allegedly, toward the end. But you're telling the story of Prince. The print, and, and I think it's valuable to show how he evolved as a person. Yes, yes. and to be able to see, you know, Absolutely. maybe you're not gonna have like we can fuck in there, but you could probably have. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> not let you not be too hasty. <laughs> I'm not ready to hear that in Paisley Park. I am very ready to hear that in Paisley Park <laughs> and everywhere that I go for the rest of my so life. <laughs> Uh, but Do not rule it out is what I'm saying. <laughs> but I appreciate like the first year. I left feeling like they did not try to whitewash, not whitewash them. What? Well, kind of like, um, you know, what do you call it when you sanitize? Sanitize. Yes, they did yeah. not sanitize his legacy. They're like he was jerk sometimes. He was amazing sometimes. But everybody had that respect there. Mm-hmm. And I think we all talked about mm-hmm. Jesse Johnson, like, and how cool that was to see him. You know, um, tell his story and move through the day and open it up through the day and how healing that was to witness that for him. But, um, and not to say bring everybody who has an issue with Prince so that they can, you know, <laughs> confess their sins on the PC Park <laughs> But um, there's value to kind of hearing all of those different parts of yeah. him. And, um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's my main criticism of this year as well just what everybody else said and I feel like I'm the last person who 
have ever complained about getting more, you know, later years prints. I definitely think that needs to be shown to people who don't know, like they kind of end at Purple Rain and they go, well, that's just the Purple Rain guy. And there's so Uh much more. But I Uh also at this point feel like I have seen every single show that was ever played in 2014 and 2015. (laughs) And I am good. I am full on it. And the problem is even showing us, you know, the 2004 show and then the 2006 show, they're all legacy shows. It's the same arrangements of the same hits. And I knew... I have a really good memory, and I knew the second that big screen show started that it was the exact same show, and I was like, he's going to do Extraordinary. There it is. Okay, here comes the controversy with Housequake in it, and they're going to, you know, I just, I knew everything. Oh, here comes the one-minute Rock Lobster guitar solo. I just, I knew it from the beginning, and I feel like if you're going to market it to the hardcore Prince fans who own not only all of his released material, but his unreleased material. You have to remember that they might not want to come back, and those are the people that have the money. So my biggest, like, to go into, it, you know, another thing, I wish, I want them to appeal to younger fans more. Um, mm-hmm, I want them mm-hmm. to bring in people that are younger than us. Yeah. And make them want to, and I feel like the, kind of the immersion and of the event is what is off-putting to people like honestly 10 years ago when I was 25 even I would not have had the money to fly to Minneapolis for a week to put right. myself up to feed myself and to go to a $500 event right that's not possible I would I would like them to kind of open up other events and work with all of the people that had those side shows and make it you know less competitive for your time and make yeah. it a more immersive experience that can, you can have a little bit of or a lot of like one of my yeah. friends has been going to shows since she was like her first show I think was like 1992 and she's been in she was you know she's a huge Prince fan and she was like you know the celebration thing I'd skip the panels I'm just not interested I want that's too much for me and it kind of broke my heart that somebody like that would be so turned off by that event because I, you know, uh, it is so cool, but it's not for everyone. And I think there are ways to make it. So there's different tiers of involvement and you can go for a week. If you want, if you want to go for a one day and go to one show, then do that. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of where they, what, the direction they need to go in. I'm sorry. Yeah. For my, long I, my husky voice. <laughs> no, no, but you made great points. And I, I really agree with that. Um, as far as making it more inclusive, because truly that $500 thing, I was not intending to go to the first celebration because I was like, um, I don't have an extra $500 just laying around to go. And then Kanisa was like, I bought my ticket. And I was like, well, now I have to go. So <laughs> what the heck? I'll just be poor. But but no, you you make an excellent point, and that reminded me of something that I thought about. Um, like with a lot of different festivals, payment plans. Let people pay in installments or whatever or something like that. Um, do it like you said, coordinate with the outside events so that way people can have kind of whatever experience they want to have. Um, just because there's such a wide range of Prince uh, material out there and therefore such a 
wide range of fans, um, let people kind of, and I, and I know logistically it's probably very hard and difficult or whatever, but there, I'm sure that they can find a way to do exactly what you say, Erica, coordinate with all of the events and all of the performers, um, all of the, uh, I guess the influence influencers who are throwing events and things like that coordinate with them, work together to make it a, a, a more well-rounded experience and something that can be a lot more affordable, a lot less time consuming for people who just don't have the money or the time to, uh, to put towards that. I think those are really excellent points. So the interesting thing is, um, is I was on the flight home with D'Angela Duff, um, to Atlanta and we were looking at the Graceland site and it's actually exactly what you guys said. It's a week long. It has different tiers you can, from 150 to $1,500. You can buy tickets to individual events. You can buy a pass to just things that are in the soundstage. You can buy um, like the super high tech thing where you get like everything. There's like a bus tour of all the Elvis sites of places he grew up and to Tupelo and to it's like a lot of different things. So it's not as if, you know, they don't have a model because they do it for Elvis week every year. It's just like how, but it's also, you know, evolved over the years as well, I guess, as they've learned their fandom and um, Graceland's been around for a while. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, if that's successful for you and you're the same company, maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, there's even like a pass where if you just want to do the parties, you can do that. And mm-hmm. it's all very affordable. And I think the lowest ticket tosses per event, is like $30, $40. But then also there's the people yeah. who go off the track because like there's celebration off the track groups on Facebook where they collect all the events that are going and people only go to those events and not to celebration at all. So, I mean, you kind of have to plan it, but I agree, you know, if you get everybody working together and um, kind of offer that as you don't have to pay 500 or $1,000 to go to Paisley, you can still be there for like $100 or $30 or $50 and um, be a part of everything as well. Yeah. I also I think it remember. Also down to, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, go on. <laughs> you go. <laughs> oh, I was. I can't remember who said this. I don't know if it was one of you guys, or um, I read it somewhere in an article or on the internet. But someone else had mentioned, um, you know, make it where you don't have to be in one place at a at a at a certain time where Paisley can be opened up, um, depending on you know, what track you're on or what event that you're doing. There should just be time where you you should be able to, of course, monitored, but you should be able to walk around and not, you know, only be able to see Paisley during a tour. I kind of found it strange that they broke up the tour this year because the first part of the tour was just the atrium. And then the second part was like the um, studios and the history hallway. Um, I can't remember if one of you guys had mentioned that, but just maybe a, a time where you can just roam and not have to, you know, necessarily just do a guided tour. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I was thinking know, about, I mean, like, because I'm an introvert and to be in a room with a ton of people, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. You just want to step out yeah. and be to yourself a little bit. Um, was that you? I guess I guess that was you. I can't remember who mentioned that. Or, yeah, I mean, because I think that's valuable because sometimes it gets overwhelming. It's like your options are to go to the bathroom or to <laughs> like the merch area and like 
I would love to just like if I'm having a moment, I would love to go to the galaxy room and just sit and cry because that would be so mm-hmm. amazing. Uh-huh. Actually, I just almost well, some of us have that. never seen the galaxy room because oh, we pay yeah. for GA, oh, and they no. care that if you're paying five hundred dollars to go to celebration, mm. of course you would pay for the top end tour, but they show you the, the bottom, like the base at level one, and I yeah. think that is. I'm sorry, I think that is another huge thing. Yeah, that like I would yeah. have preferred three days of a broken up tour if I got to see more yeah that is wild to me that like general admission like doesn't get a picture inside Paisley Park for 500 bucks yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy dollars <laughs> because no, can't you get a picture with the all the way out there from los angeles twice and i still gotta go back on my own dime another time if i want to see anything right. more than the atrium two hallways and a studio yeah. like, that's yeah. kind of bananas it is yeah don't you get a picture with the ultimate tour yeah i did um the ultimate tour last fall and i remember writing a long blog about "Mm, i don't know guys because i always feel icky after the tours even the vip ones to be honest but um we got and that's less than 500 dollars. yeah it's like 160 so you go in studio b control rooms and studio b studio a uh for vip this year they let us in studio a's control room as well um to hear uh rock and roll love affair no that was in the regular a but um yeah so you go in there and um you stay in there for a second and hear some kind of broken down version of one of the songs but um and then that was i think that was the only extra thing for this year's vip tour to hear to go into the other studio b to get the picture and to hear the broken down rock and roll love affair but i agree like if you're there for a celebration you should get to go to both studios and I mean, as VIP, maybe you get to hear an extra broken down song or even sing yeah. the thing. But yeah, like, the tour should be yeah. the same that should be for everyone. celebration. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the tour should be the same. Yeah. For it just seems okay. like wildly disrespectful to like. I'm this sounds so entitled, but it does seem like anybody making their way to Minneapolis to come sit in Paisley Park is gonna want to see what they can see. Like, let's. However, I will say they do such a good job of keeping the focus on how he worked and how he created mm-hmm. and I feel yes. like it could get really salacious and kind of like go into his personal life because he did live there during parts of his life and there are people that were involved like I know they have Maite on there but the times she's been involved have been about her professional life and they keep it very focused on how he worked and how he created and I think that is well done and they can continue they should continue to you know and they can go into more depth into the, into that as well, as far as how he worked. Mm-hmm. Just like how Kamesa mm-hmm. um, was talking about the broken down track during the VIP tour. They should have that at different parts instead of, this is where Prince did this. He created this here. Ooh, you know, let us go hear. into more. Yeah, yes, go into more, a yes. little bit more. But again, that kind of goes back into my earlier statement about maybe they'll get into that once they have more available at their in, in their also in their arsenal um but yeah i hopefully that evolves as well i was talking about this on the prince podcasting we did how they have mj in the studio things that happen at different studios around the world where you can mm-hmm. go with a studio engineer spend a whole day for like 250 dollars and like look at unreleased footage listen to broken down isolated vocals and some of them i yep. have a friend that spent a week doing something like that and they could actually make their own tracks from different mixes of stuff so i'm like that's what be amazing. <laughs> I have a lot of those isolated tracks too. I just okay. want to say that. <laughs> but I'm going to go to the one in Atlanta this fall. So I'll be like, okay, 
So here, Casey Park, here's a list of things that you can do. <laughs> but yeah, right. but, I mean, that's the kind of stuff like we're, we already, like as fans, fans, whatever, friends, as we said earlier, we've heard so much. You have to offer something only Paisley Park can do. You can hear from alumni with PR and alumni or the other different organizations that have parties hosting with them outside of Paisley Park. But you can only like go to Paisley Park to see footage or hear songs in the places where they were created. So give us more of that. Right. Well, it'd be cool to like go into the studio and have like a panelist, say like Dave Hampton, go in and talk about certain things like in that studio where it was. Yeah. Not everything needs to be in the soundstage because I won't lie. The soundstage does. You feel like you're at a convention almost or something very impersonal. And it'd be really cool to be in the space and feel you just feel more connected to the stories and more connected to like, I like to know where things are. I'm such a nerd that I went home last year and I was like, I need to know where all this happened. So I drew out Paisley park and I was like, okay, here's the map of it. I studied it because it helped me feel like, okay, I understand now where these things were made, how, you know, where the gangster glam videos were shot, (laughs) where, you know, where this happened. And so it would be cool to have different panelists speak in different parts of Paisley Park about their involvement um, on the creation of something or like, you know, Third Eye Girl or the uh-huh. Energy Horns. Uh-huh. Um, like Adrian Crutchfield was telling us stories about being in Studio A and it's like, have that in Studio A then. Mm-hmm. There weren't that many people on our panel. It wasn't that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Um, you know, have, have that or at the very least just have a video of him and then play that for us in Studio A. Like, I think there's a lot that they could do that would be really cool um, with people that did work there with him um, and kind of make use of the space more and, and make it a more personal, personalized experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and, Prince-wise and then, you know, within yourself. Yeah. And as far as, like, footage, unseen footage and stuff, we don't just need nor want concerts. There are after shows. There are rehearsals. Like y'all can give you show us me that mm-hmm. thirty-one twenty-one movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, show, you show as I slam my the fist into my coming. head. You show me second coming immediately. <laughs> take I, I have waited how... long enough. I too would like to see overseas. it. I would like to see it. Okay. I don't understand how people overseas have access to that because they use that for a documentary how come you guys can't show that at paisley park yeah. i don't you understand why they're not now immediately you know what <laughs> they could show me sign of the times a movie that's available on amazon my god i would lose my dang mind lose right. my mind show us the sign okay. of the times i'll take i will watch him do if i was your girlfriend from 17 different angles yes. be completely satisfied yes. like this was a great and productive day at paisley <laughs> thank you guys right show me sign of the times in the room where it was filmed call up cat glover have her come in and offer some like wild ass commentary over it yeah that would be hilarious we'll pay 500 for that alone just that one event okay so moving right along <laughs> Um, I did want to say one other thing, and this is just for like, because as a late adopter, I'm very much a late adopter. I know some of y'all are like innovators or the early ones, but like, I feel um, promotion for the event is going to be really important years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel, because I'm thinking of like, I mean, Essence Fest is like a much, much bigger event. And I, 
I realize that, but I do feel that you have to give people a taste of what they're going to be paying for, um, especially when it comes to Thank like you. younger folks. Um, oh you know what I mean? Um, so I know I have a sense of what's going on at Essence Fest and I'm like pretty down to spend 300 bucks to go there because I'm excited by the like videos I'm seeing if they could put like mm-hmm. clips they don't have to put the whole thing they don't have to live stream it but if they could like you know just put some clips of stuff that's happened even after the fact um I think that would right. be really helpful just want to say it's that literally a one agreed that's a good point because you know like I understand you want to get people in the room to help fund whatever is happening but mm-hmm. I think it's interesting though maybe can you get sponsors for celebration to help bring down mm-hmm. the yeah. cost? And then like something about Coachella, like everybody was watching that on yeah. a live stream. Yeah. People around the world could see it in real time. And maybe I don't know, I know like the what was it, Nugs and <laughs> PG and it didn't work out. But I'm like, just get some sponsors to help bring down those costs. I feel like people would be happy to, you know, jump on that and support Prince's legacy. Cause at the end of the day, this is not about just making money. It's about people knowing who Prince is. Because I, I saw one of those MJ versus Prince things on Facebook, which I hate because they're two different artists. But I was scrolling through the comments and there are a lot of people like, and I'm sure they were being facetious, but they were like, who's Prince? Prince just did Purple Rain and blah, blah, blah. But there are some people who really believe that. And it's yeah, like right. people mm. don't know about Prince. So like you have a captive, captive audience, but you also have good content, even though, you know, it could be more people just need to see it and it needs to be available to them as well and I think it's indicative also where they are because it's three years and for three years people did not know what they were paying for until you opened up it was time to pay Mm -hmm. and so it still feels very bootleg that people have to put this money down and pay for and, and save and plan and get housing and everything that we did beforehand and we don't even know who's coming so you know for Prince of course but still like that's I find that ridiculous still three years of celebration and we don't know what we're getting until basically we get in that building that's that's yeah to me yeah. You pick up your past. Even last year, it was like we picked up the past. Like, what are the funk soldiers? Like, no one had any idea. Now this year, we knew what it was. We knew what yeah. it was back, but it was like, um, okay, I guess. Like, you don't know. They don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree. Some transparency would be okay. Yeah. But to bring yeah. it around, we sound like we're complaining a lot. Oh yeah, I had a great time. (laughs) It was fantastic. (laughs) Definitely will go again. Yeah, and I'll be back, of course. Of course. But I hope we can get some more information before we, you know, put down money. Okay, so let's move a little bit forward. Um, So uh, Prince has a website, uh, the Prince Online Museum by Sam Jennings that he put up. And you can go and look at some of the older websites that he had up across the years. And back in my boyfriend's time, One Night Alone, thank you very much, there was a <laughs> website. <laughs> There's a page on the website where he had questions after, I think, the xenophobia celebration. And, of course, because Prince knows everything, the first question on there was, did you get a small case of post-celebration blues when the event ended and why? So I know last year all of us were a little... Were a little um, n- not nostalgic, but we wanted to go back because it, it, it was such a pool and it's such an experience there. And I'm wondering this year, how, how did you feel after getting home from celebration? Um, Desire had tweeted 
I feel like I just left summer camp and that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a great way to put it. That's you guys. However, the last day on the Revolution panel, Wendy said when Prince died, he gave us to each other. And I felt that about you guys and, you know, our friendships and all the things that we've been to, been through together since meeting going from total strangers we didn't even know each other's real names for a while i think and then <laughs> oh my gosh calling sharing... each other by our tumblr names <laughs> yeah and then just you know fast forward to now we know so much about each other we've been there through so many things together and you know sharing a house together and just this really beautiful friendship that we all share and i felt that's the part that means so much to me and i'm eternally grateful for having that in my life. So that's how I felt was how I just left summer camp. I'm like, Oh my friends, I miss you all. Like I miss sharing yeah. a bunk bed with Kenisa. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's, that's very true. But I, I would a hundred percent agree with that. When I got home, I didn't um, have like the, uh, <laughs> the normal separation anxiety from Paisley park that I usually do. Um, but Definitely, it was just like, I just want to still hang out with my friends. <laughs> like, I wasn't ready for camp to end. Yeah. So um, that is something, like, I, I, I think I tweeted this um, on the anniversary of his duck out this year. It was just my biggest thing um, that I was, you know, grateful for. What's so bittersweet about all of this is the fact that my life completely changed after that date because of the relationships that I was able to, uh, you know, forge with you guys. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's such a blessing and it has taken me on journeys and taken me to literal places that I never thought I would end up. So, um, I, I appreciate it. And again, even with the, the moments of, you know, sadness that I did have, um, overall, this particular celebration was um, a good one for me simply because I was super grateful for being able to be around um, people that have become extremely important to me. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, um, last year it was... I mean, the worst. I came home, I, I broke down about a lot of different things, um, but I did not want to leave. It was just so dreadful. I wanted to stay in Minneapolis. I wanted more time in Paisley Park. Um, and it was my first time there and it just, God, it was the worst feeling in the world. And then this year, you know, I'm you know, back to what Steph and Erica said, it was more about being with you guys is what what I was sad about when I came home was leaving the um, the sisterhood that we have created over the years. Um, I definitely was not as sad about leaving Paisley Park because I knew I'd be back. Um, so I knew it was an experience that I was going to have again. And um, this time around, it was more about... Um, um, the 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 sentiment of the relationship that we've built over the years and because I've never had that and I know it's the same 
for some of you guys. Um, and so as far as Prince is concerned, um, it's, it's nice to think about the fact that we wouldn't, we probably would have never met if he had, um, left. And, uh, but I, I had a good time in Paisley Park. And again, I like tried to bring him with me and just enjoy enjoy it for enjoy it for what it was. And so it wasn't as heart wrenching <laughs> to leave. Um, I think it was more just about getting back to reality and life and um, leaving you guys. Um, but yeah, um, I felt the exact same way. I was mostly yeah. I I had a lot of the blues. I felt mostly sad that you know this awesome experience was coming to an end and I felt sad to be leaving all of you all. Um, yeah. So I felt the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Um, Cause like Crystal, I was like, and I talked about this on our first episode where I, it was so much to myself all the time. It was just work home, work home. And then getting to know you guys where you have like this tribe of women who are so supportive and nobody's judgmental, you know, things about each other that we probably shouldn't ever mention again. And like, <laughs> it's just all this because we love Prince and he brought us together. And I think that is something that I keep seeing all over the internet when I was tweeting about um, how he brought everybody together in this way. And I think it's really interesting because when I was coming up to Minneapolis, uh, we were doing Southwest Airlines, by the way. If Southwest flies out of your local airport to Minneapolis, it's usually cheaper. Anyway, um, and with Southwest, you can sit wherever you want. And so we were sitting in the lobby or in the in the gate and you see people with the Prince shirts and they're like, oh, we're over here. Like, you don't know them. You've never seen them before. But we're all sitting together. Mm -hmm. um, D'Angelo, again, I, I flew up and back with them um, just randomly. But she had met someone that she went to high school with. She hadn't seen her in like 30 years or something. And she's like, wait didn't you go to this high school? And I remember you had Prince pens and they were just talking. They hadn't seen each other in 30 years. And it was like, whoa, and they made this connection. And that was really cool. Or when you get to Minneapolis in the airport and you see someone with a Prince shirt, you greet them like, you know, you know them and you give people hugs and you see them in the city, you get the knowing glance or nod or something. And that's very cool. Like how everyone, you know, on the basis of loving Prince, they're so open to getting to know each other and acknowledging each other. Um, in public are showing so much love and another question that was on Prince's website it said um, four days of music peace and love and then back to the real world how is the real world or how real is the real world and what's different about the real world and time spent in the celebration bubble and it's funny because like um, I think after last year I talked about how when you're up there there's so many negative aspects of the fandom where people are very judgmental or they're saying you shouldn't spend money on this and that or he wouldn't have wanted this. And you're so protected from that when you're up there. And I, it makes me wonder, like, what creates that bubble or why when you go up there, everyone is just so just differently focused where it's about Prince and about love and not about all the negativity. Do you guys have any ideas about that? Well, you can't use your phone in Paisley Park, so you can't read Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Number pretty one. much. <laughs> and then your schedule's so crazy that you don't have time to be outraged about anything. So, <laughs> um, I think I, I think it's the atmosphere. I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm sure every, you know everyone has their clicks. And, you know, people have their opinions about certain things, just like we do. Every, I feel like everybody does. Um, but when you're in that building, 
um, there's there's just it's it's just a good feeling overall. Um, I you know I like the way it feels in Paisley Park when it comes to um, bringing people together because I feel like I, I I don't feel the negativity and I think that's just you know that might just be him watching over all of us or or his impact that he's had on so many people that you know when you're in Paisley Park during celebration, um, you know, this was my gift to you guys was to, you know, we're going to forget about all of that, the things that don't matter pretty much. Um, and so I'm not really sure why, but I just, I, I think it's just the coming together. We're all there for a reason. Um, and we were all there to suck up as much Prince and, and Prince music and, and his legacy and what he left for us that I just think it's just not worth who would want to sour that with with drama you know what I mean so um, I think it's his doing and and being in that building um, just has a feeling to it yeah there's also like you said there's a departure from your normal routine and then there's also like consistent FaceTime with people you actually like and have, you know, no other shared goal than to like have a good time. And that's abnormal, even if you spend time with your family a lot of times. So I think there's something powerful about a bunch of people focused on one thing for a period of time, especially if it's a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting the way um, you guys both said that, especially like you're so busy, you don't have time to <laughs> really, you know, sit with... <laughs> The negativity, because yeah. I, I, I think I might have muted a couple people. <laughs> I unmuted it when I got back. I was just like, I don't, I don't, because I had to be on Twitter. Well, I didn't have to be, but I chose to be on Twitter to, you know, give reports of what was going on. And there is the occasional of criticism or whatever, but it's like also understanding like people grieve in different ways. Like if I were someone who were there all the time and uh celebration was going on i would probably never go because it was like i would want to keep the memories that i had when he was here and mm -hmm. not kind of like do the post thing that would feel a little gross to me but um mm -hmm. at the same time there are people you know who who probably wouldn't come to celebration anyway but they still you know kind of give that negativity and i understand that as well because it's like again there's grief that's behind that but I, I'm always kind of big about, you know, kind of figuring out why why you have such criticisms of that. Like, sometimes it's valid because, you know, Basley Park can do things better. But like you guys said, this is a place that he built for everybody to come and be creative and to create and to love on each other. And to me, it still does. It, it, it's what you make it. And, and for us, yep. I feel like we do make it a place that does continue to live in the legacy of love and sharing and creative and music and prince <laughs> so to kind of shift into after or outside of the context of celebration again and i talked about how this or this podcast started about a year ago uh today and um the first episode was about how we had changed since he had transitioned and it was about two years after he had transitioned at that time and now we're three years out so i'm going to ask the same question um or at least start with the same questions. How has your consumption of Prince changed since 2016, um, if it has at all? Um, we'll start with Erica. Um, so much less. <laughs> so much less Prince in my life. 
However, going through his catalog and spending so much time there and watching all these videos and, you know, going to bootlegs and stuff kind of reminded me how much I love music and how much I love all music and kind of inspired me to do the same with different artists and spend more time where, you know, discovering new stuff and, and really exploring um, my interests in that way. And, and so while I listen to less prints, I listen to more music and more, uh, uh, I've been discovering a lot more. So that's, I would say it's it's related, but as far as Prince himself, um, man, there it's almost none, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of overdid it, but that's what I do, so <laughs> no surprise there. I can relate to that too. Um, I think in the first year, first year and a half after um, Prince passed, my consumption was a lot more feverish than it is now, and I guess maybe it's like. I don't know if it's some underlying motivation for why I was listening to that much music, uh, that much of Prince's music at that time. I think maybe it was probably out of grief or wanting to keep him alive or feel like he's still here. Um, but now I don't feel that need. And so my consumption of Prince has reached a bit of a plateau. But I mean, I'm still listening to him a lot more than I probably was at times before he passed. Um but yeah, so I would just say that it's a lot less feverish now. Yeah, I would agree with Fasile. Um, definitely a lot less feverish. Um, but I I would say um, the same that she did. Still listening to him more than I probably was um, beforehand. And... Um, and I, I also agree with Erica. Um, I haven't been in discovery mode of new music per se, but just kind of um, revisiting other artists, just period, um, stuff that I, you know, forgotten that I loved. Um, because typically on my morning commutes, I'm listening to podcasts. Like that's just what's in in my uh, on my rotation. Um, during the times that I'm in my car at any point. So um, after he ducked out, it was just consistent prints. And then I was like, oh man, I forgot about such and such song. And then it just kind of, you know, snowballed from there, just rediscovering um, how much I also really do enjoy music period. So that's been really nice. Um, so for me, I wouldn't say it's less feverish, but it is more balanced. When he passed away, I tried to consume him in every way possible, whether that was buying something or downloading something or watching something. It was constant. And now I feel like I have a good balance um, of how I consume him you know I go through periods where I haven't listened to him in a couple of months um, but I am still very much aware of what's going on within the fandom and within um, the estate and whether you know to expect anything in the future so I feel like it's more balanced for me it's more at a healthy level than it was before um, you know it's depending on what your definition of healthy is um, but uh, yeah I don't think it's it's less feverish I'm very much 
um, I, I was almost going to say fanatic, but I don't know what a, the equivalent word for that would be. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just leveled more than it was before. Hmm. So I think a couple weeks ago, I, I mean, I have it to say, like, for me, <laughs> I probably listen to him every day from about a couple of weeks before he passed to get ready for that concert to maybe about a month ago. Mm. And it was interesting because from a month ago, I went two weeks without listening to him at all. And I don't remember what kicked it off. Something kicked it off to where I didn't want to hear any Prince anything. And then it turned from that, I was something I was processing to wondering if how long I could go without hearing him. Because I, he literally was in my ears every day for that long. And while I was taking that time off, it was, it, it was like you guys said, like the reminder of how much I like music in general. And how, it was funny at first, because like the first like day, or the first, the morning where I said, I don't want to listen to Prince, the very next song was a song that mentioned Prince. And I was like, can I take a break from you? Can you let me just for a second that my intention isn't on you? You're still going to put yourself in. Okay, fine. But um, I, I remember I took him off my phone, like, because he was my phone background. I still kept him on my desktops because, you know, that's more motivation for me to get working. But I was like, I need to, like, separate myself for a second. And it was interesting because, like, I... I, I didn't necessarily miss it, but it was because I saw him in so much other types of music, whether he was directly referenced, which is way more than I noticed yeah. before, or he would be on a TV show that somebody would mention him, or a news article would come out about somebody mentioning Prince. And it was like, he really is everywhere. And I'm not sure it's because I'm halfway looking for it or if he really just is everywhere, He whether it's like his musical influence or someone mentioning him. And I'm like, that's very interesting. I can't remember what brought me back, but after that, I'm back to my old BS, as Erica would say. But <laughs> now, like, because I would go through entire boot catalogs or I'd, um, I start to listen to more studio work because before I didn't really listen to studio work. I would always listen to live stuff. So because the studio work sounds so sanitized to me sometimes. And I was like, wait, you know, this is a really good album. Or I would do a tweet and watch or a tweet and listen to something. And like, hey, guys, remember Lotus Flower that no one ever talks about? Let's dig into it. So, I mean... I, I think it's interesting, and I was saying on the internet the other day that, um, actually earlier today maybe, or yesterday, that so much is known about Prince's legacy, but not much is known about Prince's actual music. And um, I, I think that, um, you know, for us or for Prince fans, that w the music is the reason why we're all here, but it's sometimes a little um, strange to see you know, you'll, you'll see the Dave Chappelle <laughs> skit or uh, uh, someone talking about Princess Shade or the little gifts or whatever, but never talking about the music. So, I mean, I, I think maybe in the next year for me um, as a fandom person is to kind of bring the focus back to that, uh, at least to reach outside of our bubble, but to other people, too, to be like, hey, everybody, here's like 39 albums here. If we don't even count the ones that he wrote for other people. Maybe, you know, if you don't know about Prince, because again, back to that NJ thing I mentioned the other day, they were like, did he do anything after the 80s or um, always known for his Purple Rain or nobody knows about Prince because he didn't win awards. I'm like, who cares about awards if you know the politics behind 
how those are done. But anyway, I want people to know the reason why he is a legend. And it's not because of the shade or necessarily just because of the androgynous thing from the 80s or Purple Rain. It's because a man is an amazing musician and people should hear more of that. So kind of um, piggybacking on that because some of you guys say you're not as engaged with the fandom these days. And I know we talk about this periodically on this podcast about where would you stand with it now? Or again, is it kind of like, yeah, I, I just get it where I get it. As far as like the Prince community fandom, is that what you mean? Like how? So, yeah, I feel like I follow the right people who um, who keep, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, not necessarily like insider people, because I don't really believe in that. Um, but people who keep me updated at a pace that I find acceptable. Um, and then there's also our community. Um, we kind of stay up on top of things fairly regularly. So I, I don't go out of my way too much to um, engage. I'm very low key in that way. Um, but I, you know, I do follow certain people. Yeah. Um, in terms of how engaged I am with the Prince fandom, I would say very little. I mean, I, I never really was, but I find that like, like you said, uh, Crystal, like the org has a very chaotic energy that I don't really need in my life. Um, <laughs> so I was never really on there and I'm still not on there. Um, and then there's something, uh, I think actually, Erica, I think you were talking about this too, when we were, um, up in Minneapolis, but there's something like uh, in my personality, it's a little bit resistant to a bubble. I mean, I guess if I do have a bubble, it's usually within myself and other people are not in that bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like online, um, I try, I don't really, my social media feed is not wholly print centered and I don't really want it to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And part of that mm-hmm. is so you can kind of gauge how, you know, what's really happening in the world and how much even Prince is discussed in the general population in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and now, again, now that the fever is a little bit gone for me, I don't really necessarily feel like I'm keeping him alive through online engagement. So I engage less um, in general. Um, yeah. I wanted to add really quickly, though, um, when he passed away, I made my Tumblr and I was much more engaged then than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that I was being, I wasn't being engaging in the most positive ways. Um, and so it wasn't always positive. And I found myself, uh, you know, kind of engaging in petty Crystal uh, was our hired gun. I'm just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> She would go in and take people out, and we have all evolved from those times. Thank you. Oh, my God. So I – and but when I first started my Tumblr, I, I kind of was on the course of being one of those people who stayed on top of things. And I kind of question why I didn't keep doing that. Um, and I really don't know why I stopped, but I do find – myself much much more at peace at where I am and within how I engage with the fandom it's um it's it's just a lot easier I find that so there's so much drama 
trauma that comes with uh, being engaged, too engaged. Um, and I was definitely one of those people that I found myself just not keeping it about Prince. And so, um, yeah, I'm very much less engaged than I was, but when I first made my Tumblr and I embarked on this, uh, that journey, I uh, definitely lost myself within that. So, but yeah, that's, I just kind of wanted to add that there's a difference between then and now for me. Yeah, I can relate to that too. I mean, I don't think I felt the need for a Prince community until he passed. And I had, when he did pass, I had friends who were Prince fans. So when he went, I kind of like maybe touched base with them, but those are your friends from like high school. So like, you're not really in constant contact. So that was kind of the reason why I wanted to go to Tumblr too, because that's what I do with most of my fan feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I, I never like set out to be an account associated with one fandom <laughs> like my I've had my Tumblr for like 10 years now over probably over 10 years or just about 10 years um so if you read my description on there I think it says like multi-fandom because I that's just where I went to, to like you said. I love how you put that facile. <laughs> just to let out all my fan feelings. That's yeah, exactly that's what know. Tumblr. That's exactly what Tumblr was for me. Anywhere, <laughs> any place that I needed to express all of the feelings that I had bottled up inside about whatever particular fandom, that's where I went. And so, um, because I was tired of people uh, questioning me on Facebook about Prince and like, oh, like you're still like upset about this or like you weren't there. I was like, I don't care what your opinion is. Leave me alone. Stop talking to me. I'm taking this over to Tumblr now because people mind their business there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so like you can go for all your weird feelings that yes. everyone mm -hmm. else in your yeah. life is over it. You yes. always have Tumblr. <laughs> you all, Tumblr is always my safe space. I love Tumblr so much for that. Um, but yeah, so I never like set out like, oh, I'm about to be like a voice in the Prince community. Like my Tumblr becoming largely associated with Prince the way it has been in recent years was just because like that was purely for me. It was all out of selfish, <laughs> selfish reasons. So um yeah, I haven't been as active on Tumblr lately. Um, just kind of to Crystal's point, like I was not, I did not want the responsibility of being like breaking Prince news. And no, <laughs> that's, that wasn't, that's not my, that's not my lane. Um, because I just have way too many other things going on in my life personally to be able to um, be that engaged. And I wanted to if I was going to do something like that, then I would want to be able to commit the time to it. Um, and so I just knew that I, I, I wouldn't be able to um, in a way that was consistent. And so I purely wanted to engage just as a fan and not, you know, as anything more than just somebody who wants to make gifts of, you know, prints in head wraps so uh, <laughs> and I thank you <laughs> I've had personal experience of being that type of person with a with 
an athlete. And that's why I feel for Kinesis so much because it felt, um, it, it, it became a responsibility because I had all these people depending on me. Um, and I had an Instagram with over 90,000 followers because I was, you know, I was very committed to being that person that brought brought you the news first and brought you the exclusives. I was very good at finding things that other people couldn't find and, um, and, you know, bringing content that other people couldn't find. And so I had that across multiple platforms. I had it on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I, you know, and it became so overwhelming. And I told myself I'd never want to do that again because I didn't get the, um, it just didn't seem worth it at the end. Um, not that I was doing it for any type of like, uh, you know, praise or any type of attention in the end, it just didn't seem worth it. And so when I think about when I started Tumblr, um, and I was going down that path of trying to be, uh, I don't know. I don't want to call myself an influencer. That's not the right word to me. Um, but just, you know, one of those fan pages that vow to bring you exclusive Prince content. Um, I wanted to, but I wanted to do it casually. And when I thought about, and when I started to do it casually, it just didn't feel, it, it felt pointless to do it that way. And so I've, I kind of, uh, um, my Tumblr is mainly just to reblock Nisa and make gifts, and that's it. Gifts so, um, are a very um, important contribution. Yeah, I know. Yes, especially yours. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to to make that point. Like I I've been there before, and I kind of hope that uh, Nisa doesn't feel obligated at all to yeah seriously to, yeah it can kind of ruin your enjoyment yeah yeah it does ruin okay. the enjoyment um and so i hope you you know it stays fun for you in some way or rewarding in some way. yeah Thank God. absolutely because <laughs> you do so much and i just couldn't imagine okay okay we can what you do humility okay so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is the interesting thing, because, like, I didn't start off to do it. I started off seeing you guys. It was just, like, um, people were on Facebook saying, Kanisa, you need an intervention. And it's just, like, I just, can I just enjoy something? Right. Right. And But I'm also like this about all the things that I had fandoms for, because I did it for the anime stuff back in the day. I did it for um, really lightweight for Childish Gambino, but I know people who know him in real life, so my ego won't let people who can observe <laughs> my fandom uh, be in the public with it, which is kind of how it was with Prince too. So when he passed, it was to like fan feelings to Tumblr. And then I didn't have any aspiration to, I, I think I heard the first way, I think Chloe called me an influencer once and I'm like, influencer what? I just put stuff that I want out there because I like it. And if people, you know, resonate with it, that's cool. But that's not my intent to become a Prince voice. It just happened to be that people hooked onto it. And then that's, I, I guess we're skipping ahead some questions, but that has been the biggest change for me because, like I said, mostly working home and working home. But the way that the, the opportunities that I've gotten through the Prince world um, paralleled what was happening for me at work as well because, uh I think a couple, maybe like the following year, 
uh, after Prince passed, I got an opportunity to do uh, an Agile coach camp for work, and Agile is a software methodology where um, it's a way to produce software. And so they sent me away for a week to be trained in how to facilitate teams. And then I learned how to, you know, take my ego out of things and help people figure out their own strengths. And then um, a couple months later, Aunt Pooh messaged me. Actually, he called me in the middle of the day and he was like, hey, can you film? Like, why are you calling me in the middle of the day? Like, I don't have a job. And then he was asking me <laughs> if I wanted to do the Muse podcast. And I was like, oh, I don't know, because I don't like talking and I don't want to be an influencer where people are like judging me all day long because you know how we do. And, um, but then I was like, but I have you guys to help me with this. So I was like, okay, sure. And then we started. And, um, through that people started to hear, cause you know, there's ones that have women on them, but not ones that are dedicated just by women, especially not black women. And mm-hmm. I got the PRN alumni opportunity to do that. Um, got like invited to go to the symposium by D'Angela. I've gotten, um, different things like talking to different companies about prints and things like that in the current and doing purple hour. And it's just like, these are things that I would never sign up to do because <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> I don't like being out in the public like that. Cause you invite so much criticism, but at the same time at work, I also got a new opportunity to lead an entire organization in agile transformation. Me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm who am I? So it's, that's always a feeling I have. I'm like, who am I? to do all of these things where, I mean, these are just things that I, that align with, you know, what I feel like should be done for work. And like at work, it's not about who's in charge. It's about how everyone works together to get a good product out the door. And the way to do that is not to be like, you have to do this and burn down has to be this. It's like, what are you good at? And let's give you those things. And what are you interested in? Let's give you those things because if you take care of the people, you take care of the product. And then same with Prince. It's like, all of his muse stuff and what drives me is not, I love Prince. I love his music. But the thing that I have grown the most in as a person since he passed was how much I had to deal with myself in the ways that I deal with Prince or the ways that I consume his music because so much comes up. Because like I said, we've all evolved a lot. Like Crystal was like, I used to be scared of Crystal. <laughs> but she evolved so much. Like we read my taste book together and we all used to be so judgmental of her. And we, um, yeah. like we used to be judgmental of a lot of people around Prince. And we all came around to understand, you know, people deal with grief in different ways. And how would we be if we knew him in real life? And then, he died yeah. the way he did. It's like, that's a lot to deal yeah. with. It's a lot to deal with with fans, much less if you actually knew him. So it's, um, I, I don't really know. Cause like, I still don't, I don't want everyone to come across as an influencer. That's not my goal to be. There are people who do that well. And I just happen to be on the internet a lot. Cause that's just how I am. And I want people to know about Prince and find a relationship with, to his music. That is also as empowering as it has been for me and transformative as it has been for me. But um, people meet him where they're at, and that's okay, wherever you decide to engage with it. And, um, yeah, sorry. I just, like, wanted to say that because you guys, I feel sorry for you. I'm like, I don't (laughs) – it's really – I'm bored on a Friday night, so I have a drink and tweet watch something. That's literally (laughs) all it is. But you do it so well. Yeah. But that is one thing that I did. I've divided because I have my personal Twitter and my darling niece Twitter, and I went – private on my personal one just because i'm like i just want to wall this off this is just for me this is not yeah. related to prince. even though i end up talking about prince a lot but because i remember i used to do the tweet and watches over there and then didn't want to annoy my followers there so i'm like well let me move this over to a prince thing but um i i just like i just want some a part of me that's not prince 
and nobody's expecting yeah. me to do the printing, even though I, I enjoy it. But I'm like, this is yeah. just for me. But anyway, um, anybody else, anything more about the fandom? Because I know... No comment. <laughs> I know how you feel, Erica's like, that's all of them. No, okay, so... <laughs> no. <laughs> the, I think I was talking about this. I don't like to be pigeonholed into like any kind of group, and so like I'm like I yeah. would never even wear a print shirt in public. I don't like. I don't want people to know about me. Like, don't judge me. I don't know. I, I just. I also. I will say. I think it's become weirdly competitive, mm. and it, mm. I think that I'm excited to see the transition into it being more supportive and more inclusive, because I think it's really toxic right now i will use that word incompetent a lot of and I, I yeah and i just i feel like at the end of the day he's gone what are you competing for yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. what is the point of it and i feel like everybody has something to offer whether you knew him or you got into him after whether you know a base level knowledge and you want to educate people on that whether yeah. you're actually there during the recording of things and you want to educate on that. I think it's all valid and I think it's all important. And I think we can all respect each other's place in it instead of having to be like, well, you heard it here first or I did this or yeah. I yep. did this, but other people can't. We can all exist in the same universe and we can all acknowledge that and appreciate these things about each other without it having to be so toxic Amen. and so competitive. Yeah. Yeah, I will. That's a word. Yeah, it would make me more excited to go to Prince things if people didn't say, "Well, you were too young; you couldn't uh, have been there." Like, you know, yes. and, and that kind of thing. And that's what turns off people that are younger than us. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I'm sure of it. If we're getting it, we're in our thirties. Can you imagine how you know someone in their twenties or even their teens might feel going to an event and being like, "Well, I don't want to do that you don't again." Know nothing about you know, it. I didn't feel welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My first Prince like, parties I... were that they were like, "You don't know anything about Prince." I'm like, "You have no idea." <laughs> <laughs> right. And I just, people discover things at different parts of their lives, and you know what? Even if I had been, li- I-, I don't know. I just, first of all. I did. I, I, you know, some of us didn't have the luxury of being born. If we were old enough to go to the Purple Rain show, okay. And then, second of all, maybe there are people who were that it just didn't resonate with them then, and now they're in a different point of their life and they've had different experiences, or they're, you know, they're jaded to one thing, or they're feeling softer in another area, or more welcoming mm-hmm. or something, and they hear something and it hits you different, and you feel different. It's like, I'm like, I always know I'm in my 30s when I'm listening to Steely Dan and I'm like, I get you, Donald Fagan. Like, and I didn't when I was 19 because I've had those experiences and I can appreciate it on a different level. And it, it just, I think that's it for everybody. And I don't think it's fair to judge people that weren't there when he was alive or people that didn't get to see him. And I don't think going to one show versus going to 800 shows makes you a better or a worse person. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, just, well said, I think that Erica. there could be more respect in the community, um, and I'm excited to see it shift in that direction. I'll be positive about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so speaking of being positive, um, how do you feel the estate is doing with promoting and releasing his music? Because I, I, um, I did have the opportunity to talk to some representatives from Sony, and I, I, I appreciate that. Because at first I was a little nervous, because if anyone's seen my social media... 
you see all this stuff that I'm posting on there and I'm like, could easily be taken down and stuff. So, uh, all of us have had a takedown notice at some point. But um, mm -hmm. I was really encouraged because they we were talking about bootlegs. We were talking about, hey, this one show. Or we were talking about, um, you know, unreleased stuff that they're aware that the fans know about and they are fans as much as any of us are. So it was really encouraging to hear that some of the people who are involved are not suits. They're people who are Prince nerds too. But um, I think it's really important because we actually had a breakfast with some of the content creators during celebration. And Chloe Calvin had mentioned, um, like Erica was saying when she first got into Prince, she didn't know where to find the music because it wasn't on streaming services and she's of the generation that's where all the music is. And like Prince fans tend to have money and they're older and they have the old stuff. And if you want the old stuff, then you would have to pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for it on eBay or Discogs or or find it on one of the collector groups on Facebook and it's not accessible. So it's like, I think it is important to get the music out there to be heard so and in an accessible way so that everyone can discover it. Um, but then you always have the people who are like, what if you already had this? So how do you feel the estate is doing with promoting Prince and releasing his music? I honestly don't have any complaints. Um, considering that his estate is just not in the best place right now. And if you factor that in, I just feel like they're doing the best that they can. I mean, of course, I'll expect more once more becomes accessible, but I like getting vinyl for albums that I did not previously have or wasn't previously available on vinyl, despite having it being on purple vinyl, which I have an issue with. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's I still love having Musicology 3121 and Planet Earth on vinyl, and I didn't have to play pay an arm and a leg for maybe the promo version of 3121. One. You know what I mean? And having rave and not having to pay hundreds of dollars for an original. And I know people take value in having those things, but um, I I appreciate them releasing what they have released so far and look forward to other um, releases on um, vinyl. So I feel like they're doing the best that they can with with what they have and and considering everything that's going on. I do hope that things resolve themselves fairly quickly um but you know people can't expect the best when you know he he kind of left things the way he left things and it's and i think that's hard for people to understand um and you know you have um conflict of opinions um within the family and so you know, once they resolve those many issues, I feel like, the, you know, the princess state can only go up. And so, um, you know, yeah, I appreciate what they've done and they're doing the best that they can. In my opinion, they could be doing more, but I, I honestly don't know what they could be doing with where they're at at this moment. So, yeah. I agree. I feel like my litmus test is if people that don't follow Prince religiously, like, you know, we kind of do whether we want to or not at this point, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether it makes it into those outer, you know, into the wild, I guess. And if somebody who's not like a Prince person will message me and be like, Hey, did you hear this 1983 piano and a microphone thing? It sounds great. I'm like, 
that's how I know DSA is doing a good job promoting it because somebody who's into music but doesn't follow Prince knows it and appreciates it. Um, I think it's a little unfair when people say, like, well, we already have this because, like, well, it's bootleg. Um, that's your bad. As a person who hasn't listened, <laughs> um, like, it, then it's not for you. Um, so I think they're doing, I think there's room for improvement. But I also think, um, like Chloe was saying, how he kind of, he played himself when he was alive. <laughs> by making his music so inaccessible or putting stuff up and taking it down right away, you know, and not having it on streaming. And that makes it inaccessible. Um, And he kind of, you know, played himself in death by not having a plan for it. And so now it's all messy. And uh, given what they have to work with, it's, you know, they're doing what they can. I'll be excited to see what happens once all this, once all the legalities kind of um, even themselves out. Yep. You know, once once they once stuff can be released, I'll be excited for the focus to go back to the music instead of like, you know, what the estate's bickering about this week. That's what mm-hmm. I hate when people send me Prince news and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Karen Nelson fighting with people. Play me the music. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with what you said, Erica, that like the best um mark of like successful promotion is whether folks outside the Prince world are talking about it. Um, I think if I'm, if I think back, I think the biggest thing so far has been the title release of Piano and a Mic. I think that was really well done. Um, and it was tied to um, the Black Klansman too. That was cool. Oh yeah. Um, so I think cool. that was really great. Um, mm-hmm. And also the YouTube videos um, have been nice too. Um, and I was looking um, I a little bit that. earlier. Yeah, some of them have like millions of views. Um, so maybe not like the Holy River, but like the, <laughs> <laughs> some of the <laughs> like a lot of views. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah, they're doing a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was really great. And, yeah, just to really quickly echo what everybody else said, I think that um, they're doing the best they can given the situation, right? And um, as far as you know, music releases and things like that, I know we want to get our hands on all of the unreleased stuff and things like that. But um, I think given that he's been gone three years and we've gotten um, the Purple Rain expanded. Um, extended edition we've gotten um, the piano and a microphone we've gotten um, you know we're getting what the the demos one that's coming up um, mm-hmm. and then the oh, let me prepare my entire spirit for this 1999 release as well um, <laughs> I think that you know within the span of three years like that's good stuff like I didn't expect for them just to throw the whole vault out on the sidewalk and be like here you go guys like have at it (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) here it is um so I I appreciate what they're doing and the fact that there is even a desire from them to want to give us things like that um so I'm appreciative of whatever I can get my hands on and my ears on um, however, having said that, if I don't get second coming, I'm going to, 
<laughs> I'm going to file a lawsuit. So I just right want you. <laughs> it will be a one person, <laughs> one person <laughs> protest outside of Paisley Park for the next several years if I don't get that. So Can this is my together? my final warning, Paisley. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do you guys think we'll get 21 nights on vinyl? What do you mean? Do you think that'll be something they'd release? 21 nights like the concerts? Oh, no, 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 the audio. Indigo nights. Oh, indigo nights? Mm. No, not 21 nights. Oh, my God. One night alone. Oh. Oh, so, don't speak that word in front of Kinesa. <laughs> so the next question that I have, <laughs> that's somewhat related actually to her question. Oh, go ahead. I guess. Any comment? I guess. No, I have a related comment. I tweeted it, but I will say it here as well. I think Piano and a Microphone 2016 should be released the way that Homecoming, that Beyonce's mm-hmm. Homecoming was, as yes. the performance mm-hmm. mixed up with, you know, interviews. You know, Dr. Mm-hmm. there in the audience, Scotty Baldwin has spoken about, he would be happy to do interviews about it. Um, you know, all these people that were there and involved. And uh, who else was there? Oh, Andrea Swanson from The Current. I know that she went there's people that could be interviewed that could speak about it and, you know, just kind of splice those little bits in there with the footage of two different nights and then release it on Netflix so we can all see it. Amen. That would be beautiful. I know that's a hype dream. I know there's a lot of legalities, but like, let me tell, let me talk about what I want. Okay. That's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I did want to ask, cause you know, we are who we are, and we did a whole episode on this topic of how Prince delights women. So we're three years out. And my question is, um, what is his impact as a man on you now versus when we were first kind of deep diving on some of this stuff a couple years ago? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's my answer. Yes. Um... <laughs> Nothing has changed. He is still Prince. <laughs> I am still me. <laughs> Nothing oh has changed in that regard at all. I don't care how, you know, much I might not have the fever anymore as far as like listening to music or whatever. Still, yes. <laughs> I think I actually have footage of Stephanie at the big screen, even though we've seen it before. <laughs> Like I was filming the screen and I turned to her and she was on. She was. She stood up. She looked directly into my camera and I, it looks like she said "girl" and she just turned back to. It was a perfect moment. I should probably clip it out. But it was She lost her mind. I was sitting next to her and she grabbed my hand. I like did. She was gonna die. Because oh, I was like, do it, I'll it's run the crawling the one. It was the one where he crawled, and I was like, not ready because I don't remember. You I would were, remember your body that. Is ready, Steph. You I would ready. remember that if it was in the last, <laughs> the last show, last year's show. That was not there last year, and if it was, then <laughs> my God, my memory is terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> I do remember because it was passed down to me. It's like, is this a crawling one? And I didn't think it was because I was Canada where he crawls, but he clearly crawled. It did. It went telephone style down to you. Yeah, it did. Is this the crawling one? <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Is it the crawling one? Pass it down. Is it the crawling one? Pass it down. <laughs> Steph wants to know if it's the one where he crawls. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. Yeah. And it was glorious. <laughs> 
Anybody else? I don't really know what I said before, but, but I can't imagine that it's any different for me. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I kind of just, I try to, I, I, I've been attempting to focus more on the artist than the man. Um, and so I don't feel like I've analyzed that anymore um, within the last year or two. So, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, same. I've been keeping my focus like mostly on the music and like how it makes me feel over how Prince makes me feel like it's just like more than the music of, of it than than the Prince of it I guess <laughs> weird sentence <laughs> yeah I think I've probably gone back to whatever chill level I was at before he passed in that sense but I also kind of look at it like I don't have we just have we just uh, described the chill levels? I don't think I we don't have. I don't think we have. But yeah, I mean, it was just like a fun way for us to kind of um, rate ourselves when it comes to Prince being able to do things, I guess. Okay, so the next one I want to switch in order. Um, because we were talking about this a little bit earlier and how we would introduce or the, the issue of it being a disconnect to younger fans or potential fans. So if you had to introduce Prince to a young person, we'll say someone below the age of 25, who never heard of him before, how would you do it? A concert. Ooh, that's good. Which concert? Yeah. I, like, I, f- I feel like a concert is just just the best bet because um, there, a lot of Prince songs are amplified by his live performances. Um, so I probably would start them with like a some Maybe I'll go back 2004 and between 2012. So they could get like a sense of his bigger hits, but also his um, his musicianship, I'll say. And then also he looked great. So I feel like that's a period of time where, yes. you know, you didn't get too much variation. Um, and he just kind of looked great in all those eras. Music marathon on and yeah, I feel like a show is the best way to go um, to start. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah. I want to piggyback on that answer yeah. because yeah. I usually, um, I, what I usually do when people are like, oh, I don't know a lot about Prince, I'm like, oh, but tell me what kind of music you like, and I, I can pick a couple songs or like, what songs do you know that you like, and you can kind of, his catalog is so vast, you can kind of go through and go, oh, I know what you'll like, or you know, if you like jazzier stuff, or if you like funkier stuff, or if you like a lot of guitar-heavy stuff, you can easily make playlists that kind of play up to those needs, and then, that, but, but the live stuff the energy of it is like incomparable it's and, and that's actually my dad came to visit one time and he was like i just he, my dad my father born and raised in minneapolis was there when prince was up and coming is like was like i just don't get that prince guy and he's so weird prince around in his underwear and i was like i'm gonna show let me let me show you and I put on Montreux 2013 show two, where he's got the full band, the NPG horns, and it is a party. Mm-hmm. And every and it's just that's where that that whole intro. It's like a 20 minute long intro. It's just relentless, and it's song after song after song. His stuff. There's like Janet Jackson. There's you know the theme from Which Way Is Up, and it's this whole long um, intro. And I played that, and my dad, 10 minutes in, was like. I get it. Oh my God. 
I get it now. And he was so excited to watch the rest of it. And he was like, wow, I really underestimated this guy. I get it. And so I, that would, yeah, I agree. A concert uh, is the, would be the thing for sure. Absolutely. I'm going <laughs> to piggyback or second or third that um, uh, absolutely a concert. Um, as far as which concert, I have no idea. I think my intention would be to try to do kind of how Celebration the first year did and get give you a taste of, uh, you know, each decade. So, like, here's Prince in the, you know, beginning of his career. This was him in the 80s, and this is why he became an 80s icon. And then this is how he transitioned into the 90s and then the 2000s and uh, 2010s and so so on and so forth but definitely a show because you get all of the greatness of Prince you know in <laughs> captured in one area you get the music you get to see the visuals you get to see um, you know his creativity and just yeah it, it would absolutely have to be a concert um, I, I just I wouldn't know which concert to start with like I'm going in my mind like do I just do like sign of the time so you can see that kind of great, you know, like, or do, or do I do like a, um, you know, a boot show? Like, do I do volume? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, you save that. You save yeah. that for the true fans. They're not deserving. <laughs> you wait. That's the I reward keep, at the end of I the keep journey. That in when my you're back pocket. Place, then you get Valium. You can't and just Dallas. show Valium to anybody like they'd appreciate it. Stop. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying don't start with head at no. Copa Hall in, in Detroit? Don't start with that? That's not that's not good. I feel like you need to work <laughs> up to that a little bit. <laughs> well, I think I talked about it before, but like there's what I would do and then there's what I wish would happen. What I wish would happen is that you get Janelle Monet and Childish Gambino and Yara Shaidi to host Three Chains of Gold on FX. And oh they have like parts in between the commercial breaks where they talk about what happened. And there's a hashtag online for people to follow along and watch it real time and consume it that way. And they would re-release the quote symbol unquote album to go with it. Um, and like re-release the wax as well as like a box set with the movie and all the promotional stuff and the comic book and stuff, uh, that would be really cool. Because that's kind of what I do. Well, there are people around my age where I did a, a, a watch party with people I knew were fringe Prince fans, and I showed them that. And they were like, what is this? This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I also um, said, here's the album <laughs> that goes with it. Because that was one for me back in the day where I appreciated the album more after I saw that movie. But... um yeah, I that's what I would do to, or that's what I would suggest because I think that would work really well to get people into a time where um, people may not have been following as much, and plus it's an amazing comic book, so that's what the cool thing. But uh, for me personally, I'm also the um, playlist maker. I think I talked about on Twitter last year where I made a big PowerPoint for someone at work <laughs> to introduce them to friends, which <laughs> I probably wouldn't work with a teenager, but. Um, yeah, I probably agree with you guys that the easiest way to introduce someone to Prince is with uh, a show for them to see and um, a musicology show specifically to get most of it. And then like different tiers, once they're ready, 
to ease them down into the depths of um, fanaticism with the rest of us. Because let's be real, it's kind of okay. So last question. This has been a really long episode. So um, again, we talked about how the first episode again was how we've changed. And to talk about now, what are some of the longer term effects of changes that you've noticed since um, Prince left us in yourself? Um, my, my, well, for me briefly, I think it's just committing um, and just trying to hone some of my many, many interests. And I feel like I did that with Prince. Maybe I don't know how he exactly had a hand in it, but maybe bringing you guys into my life and, and discussing um, and finding interests that we, we share and just trying to, um, I don't know, just be my be a, a better version of myself. Um, so I feel like in that way, um, that's been an effect that I will attribute to him um, because I don't think I would be uh, doing some of the things that I'm doing if I hadn't met you guys um, and I hadn't... And I wouldn't have met you guys if he hadn't passed. So, um, so yeah, just committing and trying to uh, um, just be better, be a better version of myself, do 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 things that I know will um, make my life more uh, fruitful, I guess. Um, so yeah, just 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 committing, being 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 more com- committed to things. Through. I see. I would say both through Prince and both through knowing all of you, in particular, conversations I had with Kenisa, kind of about that, about you know Prince. Um, I've pushed myself as an artist more, and been less afraid to try new things. Um, a lot of that was after Celebration last year. I came home and I just felt like I felt stagnant, and well, I felt that my life was stagnant and I felt restless and I was like, I know there's something more. I know I'm more than this. I know I'm more than going to my job. And even though I had a, you know, I was doing like cross stitch. It didn't, it it no longer felt like it was serving me as a creative release. And Kenisa was the one who kept kind of pushing me and pushing me and saying, you should, you can draw more. You can do, you know, I, I see this in you that you don't see in yourself, and it kind of really pushed me to, um, in a different direction and with with my art. And I don't think I know I'm not where I want to be now, but I and I don't know what my end goal is, but I can pretty confidently say, through knowing all of you and being inspired by Prince and being inspired by you guys and seeing what greatness that you guys are bringing into the world and to your own lives that inspired me to um, be like Crystal said like a better version of myself and for me that's with with my artwork and, and really focusing on um, creating things that I'm proud of and, and feeling creatively like satisfied and then I'm putting the artwork that I want out into the world if that makes sense um for me um I think the biggest thing for me will always be just how um 
learning more about him, getting to know you guys and things like that. Um, the biggest thing that's always going to stick out to me is um, just living intentionally um, and understanding how you show up and impact people um, in your circle of influence. And, um, you know, so my background for people who don't know, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm a, a, I'm a believer. So that's something that I've, I'm already always thinking about, but it was very um, <laughs> and inescapably put into focus for me. Um, just another way to confirm that for me um, through this experience and um, just understanding that you are placed in people's lives for a reason. Um, and that reason is to give back whatever gifts that you've been given. Um, and the only way to do that is to live intentionally. Um, and so that has been something that I think about constantly. Um, I would say a lot more than I was thinking about prior um, because I was kind of like in my own zone um, and not really interested in like meeting new people per se <laughs> and then Kanisa slid into my dms and now i have this circle of friends <laughs> i mean she did she's the i always say that she's the only successful person <laughs> uh, but seriously like now i have this you know this group of friends from all over um and just i want to make sure that the way i show up in in you guys' lives and just anybody else who I come in contact with is leaving, um, you know, a, a deposit basically. Um, so that is something that is always going to stick with me and that I am really grateful for, um, just having it confirmed in such a big way. That's well said. Um, yeah, for me, um, Similar to what um, I think Crystal, you had said, well, the image I had of um, Prince is that he was always doing like precisely what he wanted to do, at least on some level. Um, so I was inspired after reading and learning more about him because it really struck me at the time how little of my time was spent doing things that I wanted to do just because I wanted to do them. Mm. So now I feel like I'm a lot more committed to pursuing my own interests. Um, and I'm not, I'm also not where, you know, I want to be. Um, that inspiration came in what, like April, 2016. And I was due to start grad school in the fall. So I had like five months to become this like well-rounded person or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm almost through now. So I'm looking forward to being like an individual with like a real life personality again after I graduate. But anyway, um, so yeah, there's that. And also I feel like any endeavor that you pursue is going to be a little bit fruitless or pointless if it doesn't come from like if it's not an expression of your love for people so I think that's also really important um there are also uh aspects of Prince's reported behavior that resonated with me um or that I saw in myself that I realized were kind of I don't want to use the word toxic that's the only thing that's coming up um like I move on from things a little bit too quickly this is reported or I love doing things on my own um, or don't like to acknowledge when things hurt me, that kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of stuff that I don't want to continue in. Um, I should probably see someone about that, but at least I've identified that it's an, is an issue. 
Um, I might be projecting a little bit um, because when Prince was alive, one of the things I admired about him was that he was always working nonstop and doing everything himself. And now I think I definitely value um, collaboration a lot more. I value vulnerability a lot more. I'm not crediting like all of that to Prince. Like I'm learning about that in other areas of my life as well. But I think that's something that was probably kicked off by diving into, you know, the Prince world. Um, and then I also, I don't, uh, I don't stick to my own definitions of myself. I think I've kind of, I'm allowing myself to change my mind more um, and to try things that feel like they're outside of what I would normally do. Um, and just like surprising myself a little bit more, that kind of thing. That was a lot, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm, it was good. Um, I think I probably already told some of my growth, but again, um, it's been extremely transformative. I think these last three years, kind of oh, a little bit of what Fasayo said, when you start to look into the lessons of the music or you start to study someone like Prince, what you see, what you resonate with are things that you see inside yourself. And sometimes they are good things. And sometimes they are not so good things. And, um, or the ways that you connect to someone are because of that reflection that seems familiar. And I know for me, I, I'm not saying I'm a completely different person than three years ago, but I am moderately different. Like I used to be a lot more judgmental of people and, uh, kept to myself more and, um, again, worked all the time and to see, um, why, or what I've recognized in the last three years are why I work all the time and what I'm trying to overcompensate for or where three years ago I could see Prince do something and I'd have a panic attack because I'm not connected into like my, my, who I am as a woman. Now I can see that and recognize like, yes, this is for me and it's okay for me to, um, want to be desired or want to be pleasured or it's okay to me to desire a man and it's no power loss there. It's just part of being a human. It's part of the human experience. And I know for me, because um, I was reading some books that he allegedly was reading and a lot of spirituality stuff and understanding that everybody has their own journey to walk. And it's not on you to judge someone else's journey because that's theirs. And um, to have more compassion for people because sometimes people react out of grief or anger or projection. And again, that is their journey. And to Mm -hmm. understand that and to not take offense to so many different things or to react in um, such 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 toxic ways, because, again, you don't know what that person's been through. So you've got to let them have their experience and just have compassion and forgiveness for that. I have so much more forgiveness for so many different types of situations now where before someone tweeted me something negative, I would feel like I have to, you know, convert them or whatever sometimes I still do that a little bit but usually when someone comes at me with negativity if I meet them in love and compassion it's okay (laughs) or they're like they don't you know they not that they back down but they're like oh they're not you know meeting me with the same type of energy and um it's not it's not a toxic or it's not an uh an anger thing that they're gonna respond with and I I think that's important especially with so many of us who are still really upset about what happened. And again, as I always say, recognizing that a lot of this grief is grief 
of ourselves. Like when we were younger, we had all these aspirations and Prince was there with us. He was going through all this stuff too. He soundtracked our lives and we always thought he would be there. And what happens when that person to project on, to project on isn't there anymore? You have to own all of that yourself now. And that's a lot to take on when, you know, that figure's been part of your life for so long. So now like where before I think I projected so much more on Prince than I do now, I'm starting to own more of my own emotions about why I feel the way I do about things and why I feel the way I do about Prince. And some of it is scary or kind of griefful to know it's so much easier to be like, Oh, ghost Prince in this or, (laughs) um, to kind of feel like, you know, he's there in a way that may not be true, but I still do believe like when you pass on, it's just, um, you're just in a different form. And you're there in a different form. And it may not be as personal as, you know, someone standing in front of you, but he is around in different ways. But it's also important for you to be here living your life because you still have got time left to do your wishes that you didn't do when you were younger. And you still have time left to live, to um, experience new things and try new things and go new places and meet new people. And Prince can help with some of the similarities but it's your responsibility to do that for yourself and that i think is the thing that i'm stepping into now um to not rely on him for that but to take ownership of that for myself so um yeah i didn't cry this time i'm very excited (laughs) i got close a couple times but um growth yeah so see i'm growing and i don't cry every two seconds or i cry I, i don't hold it back as it happened before. Yeah. So um, that that is the biggest change because I never cried before. And now I'm just like, yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's healing. <laughs> it is. So um, <laughs> any other final thoughts? I will say that as well. I, I allow myself to feel emotions, even if they're unsavory, mm. which I hate. But I'm like, I'm a little bit gentler with myself in having gone through all of it and knowing you know, our, again, my friendship with Kanisa, like, oh, I guess it's okay to cry sometimes, I guess, <laughs> you know, I'm feeling a little bit better about getting those feelings out and then moving on with my life instead of, like, letting them eat me alive for weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was weird because, like, when we were at the big screen thing, because I always talk about how when I cry or when I'm sad about Prince, it's usually a projection reason. And I think that was one time where I was just sad that he was gone. And I never allowed myself to feel just sad about him being gone versus sad about something that he triggered that I know I haven't dealt with in myself. And I think I need a couple more of those sessions to just be sad and it be okay with being sad about someone I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think that's a valid thing to do. And, and not connected to anything else but that. But, um, yeah, I almost pushed myself there. Then. Okay, so this was a long podcast, guys, but two years good. or one year in for us, and I think it was, it was good to do that. <laughs> so where can people find you online, Erica? Um, I am on Instagram as Erica, E-R-I-K-A dot Ann, A-N-N-E. And then on Twitter, I'm Erica Strata 00. Okay, Crystal? Um, so I'm kind of all over the place. I have no type of um, cohesiveness. But on Twitter, you can find me at 
Crystal Latrice um, on Instagram, Neo Manifesto, kind of like the, the book that he that was released in the 90s. And my Tumblr is graffiti-bridge.tumblr.com. Okay, and Visayo? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Fisayo, F-I-S-A-Y-O, Adet, A-D-E-T. Um, and I'm on Tumblr at Just Prince Things. That's just-prince-things.tumblr.com. Want to see the tumbleweeds flowing through there? And then I'm on Instagram at Fisayo Adet as well. Weeds. <laughs> and then Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I am uh, easy to find. I'm Stephanie Janae on all of the above. So Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr, which also tumbleweeds. I apologize. Uh, Stephanie Janae, J-U-H-N-A-Y. And I am Darlene Nisi on Twitter as well as on Tumblr. And would like to announce if you've looked at our show image today we have a new logo by mr 1999 marco hart and i've been asked about merch i feel weird about merch honestly but if enough people ask then i'll go ahead and put a link out there if you guys want to pick up a t-shirt or mud or tote or something and support um okay so thank you guys so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time bye